Hello and welcome back to the Stacks. This is an episode, maybe the first or the second, maybe the third, who really knows, Jack knows, more on him later, of our series on Jane Campion. Um, so we are going to do a podcast of her films as a whole, but we're going to do some select cuts from her filmography first with a podcast on Bright Star that may or may not exist before this, um, a podcast on the piano, the piano forte to give it its full title. I don't use the shortened title and I will now call it that from now. <laughs> yes, Jane Campion's The Piano Forte. Um, and a special edition of Kino Thanks, which this is arguably on the film In the Cut. Now, Kino Thanks um, is our series on rejected, critically rejected films. It started out, to um, paraphrase Wivelin and I, as the worst films known to humanity, and now we are in, as represented as the worst films known to humanity. And we're being a bit different this time, for um, Jane Campion is not seen as a bottom-of-the-barrel film director. She is one of three, or is it two, Jack? Tell me, two women to win Best Director? Uh, I, that sounds about right, yeah. Because, yeah, uh, she won for Power of the Dog. She yep. is the first woman to have a Palm Door winning film um, with mm-hmm. the Piano Forte. Um, so one of the few women that the awards circuit actually accepts and says she's allowed to make movies. Um, three, however, three, three, three. Um, Catherine Bigelow, three. Jane Campion, Chloe Zhao. Oh, I always forget that because that movie sucks. <laughs> um, there you go. Um, okay. But, you know, so, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Herlock either, to be fair. But the Piano Forte is very good. Um, but it's no Power of the Dog, Power of the Dog, oh, Power of the Dog's great. Um, so, um, In the Cut is the film for today. So a bit of background um, on In the Cut before we open up to our discussion and to our very, very special guest. So In the Cut is a 2003 film. Um, how you describe it, depending on who you're talking to, for some it is an erotic thriller, a mm. lapsed genre at the time, maybe more of a 90s genre, uh, maybe a deconstruction of that. Some mm. say it's a straight-up version of that. Some would say psychological thriller. Some would say procedural. Some a romance, some just a drama. Um, And we'll get to that as there are faces that go, "Mm." but I would say desire is as key to this film as fear and violence are to it. Um, Mm -hmm. It is based on a novel of the same name by Susanna Moore, which I finished reading today. A short novel worth reading, and I will compare and contrast as we go, because they are different in some key aspects. The most key aspect being the ending, which is almost entirely different in the novel. We'll talk about what the change means, and that is why I am more willing to sell a film as a romance, because the novel ends definitively differently. Um, There's maybe a bit of a a Shawshank moment at the end, where the the movie keeps going, and the, the book has finished already. So, um, before we get to that, I'm Stephen. I'm joined by Jack, as always. Hello, Jack. Hello. Hello, me. Hello, and Steve. we have a special guest, um, huge fan of In the Cut, um, Carol. Hello. Hello. How are you going? I'm going well, thank you. How are you going? Um, I'm going pretty good myself. I had a nice day of uh, watching In the Cut again, seemingly right before Mubi took it off their Amazon Prime extension. Oh. So oh, when I went back to okay. check, it was like rent or buy now. So that was <laughs> excellent it timing. Just kicks you out part way through, and then you just can't finish watching anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, in, I first watched this on movie. Actually, this was a a movie um, back in the film of the day times of just like you only had the film of the day, and it popped mm. up and it was like controversial, blah blah blah. And I was like, I'll watch this. Um, and I think Jack was your first viewing of it today. Today, this afternoon, yes. Be interested to see how our viewing stories go. So I first watched this and was very much the opinion. I have a, a moderately popular Letterboxd review, um, which oh, I right. stand by in terms of it's written pretty well, but I don't know if I still stand by in terms of all of its content. I think my description of the film is fine, but I think I keep saying things like it doesn't really work. And this time, mm. um, I think it really works. Um, it's a really, really interesting film that... I know this sounds like the, the silliest of points to make, but when you, it's the classic, when you're in its wavelength, when you know what it is doing or you're mm. ready for what it is trying to do and you, you meet it in that place, it's really good at doing what it is doing. Mm-hmm. And a, a thing that fascinates about the film is, and I do like films that do this more, and I think I've, I've got a real taste for it, is it's you're watching the film over on the side. There is a conventional film happening within this film, which is about a murderer and Mm -hmm. i am so fed up of media that focuses on murder specifically femicide and this is a film very much about Mm. the the hating and killing of women um this film is a victim story but from the point of view that to be a woman in society in the society that we have cultivated is is to be able to be a victim at any point and i think i'm going to mention later that i really really appreciate is 
there is a degree of intrigue to it of, all right, there's a little twist at the end of that person's the killer, mm. but there are four people who, in any given scene, you're like, they very much could be. And the, the takeaway of that is the polemical statement that every man has it within its capacity to become a killer woman, um, mm. enabled by Pedrical focuses. And that, as a thesis, like stings out more in the second time when you're not being like, what's going on? And we're like, oh... It's not really what's going on. So my second viewing liked it a lot more. Um, I will get back to you, Carol. But first, Jack, this is your first viewing. What do you mm. think? Uh, tough one. Tough one to go straight into because I mm. knew nothing about this one. And immediately it is so fragmented in how it presents yes. itself that I was kind of just along for the ride for a lot of it. I was kind of just as like a mood piece, like a vibe piece, trying to work out this. <laughs> but the vibes this, are fetid. Oh, the, the the vibes are terrible, but the vibes are there. Um, the mm. sort of intentional like fragmentation and the non-linear storytelling, it's, it holds you at arm's length for a, a yeah. period of the movie. But I feel once as you said you get onto its wavelength and you you watch the film on its own footing you know you meet it in the common ground um i think it's really interesting movie yeah which which that is that is the key adjective isn't it it is interesting and even mm. when i was more down on it i think interesting is like this it is doing a thing and it is going for it um mm. so carrie you've, you've always been a lover so give us your your potted take on in the cut um yeah so i first sort of came into in the cut it was I don't remember the exact year, but it was the summer of either 2020 or 2021. Um, yeah. So really at the peaks of um, sort of lockdowns here in the UK as they were happening. And also, um, by the way, uh, incredible summer film to watch. Everything is just like searing. Um, it's just hot. in terms it's of like how it looks. Yeah. And like you look into the screen and you're like, God, like every sip uh, it's Meg oppressive Ryan's it's character. an incredibly oppressive film and mm. i think that's a i'll talk more about my thoughts on the novel later but i think it's a thing that the, the film has very much over the novel of just so much the atmospherics is the film mm. and so much the atmospherics is visual um or just mm. like the cadence of the editing so yeah no it, it's it's it is it's a scorcher a real scorcher indeed um there's a lot i do really enjoy about it most of which has um sort of developed with time because obviously when i first watched it i did not have the sort of surrounding um, context of where Meg Ryan's career was at the time and how mm. important of a film it was for her and how it was um, received. Um, but I think in general, what sort of really draws me to In the Cut is that it's a film that is, um, in a lot of ways, feels very of its time. It's very much like a post-9-11 New York movie and mm. the scars of that are very much felt throughout how it's shot. Um even though obviously it was not respected for this at the time, it feels appropriate to have um, a film that comes right at the tail end of sort of the erotic thriller um, sort of yeah. craze that is of the 90s, taking yeah. a more subversive look to it. But also in a way is very ahead of its time because I feel like a sort of <clears throat> stereotypical approach to this material of like doing a sort of feminist reconstruction on the erotic yeah. thriller is to sort of invert what you know we may colloquially refer to here as the male gaze in those films yeah. and place it from a female perspective but wherein the cut goes a bit further than that is it sort of begs this question of is that female perspective less violent on account of it being female and that sort of plays mm. into a lot of the film especially in how um the main character franny interacts with those three or four um characters who you said Stephen could be the killer Mm. Yeah, and, and and could be killers, and mm. may not be killers of the specific people, but um, are oscillating between being like very nasty people that have the capability of being nasty, or it's just without having to perpetually have the guard up, and it's just strange relationships of having to get into. Um, so that the core of the film then is is this character who is a, um, it's college level um but it seems like community college um english english teacher it, it's mm. it's slightly different in the um in the novel because it seems like she amalgamates two characters so in the novel she doesn't have a sister to begin with there is no sister character um in the book which is a big difference and i think the film is very much better for that um so there is someone alongside her um that also is used to showcase a different kind of femininity and a different kind of um vulnerability and also opens up some of the more conventionally seedier content of the film 
Um, but in the book, there is an English literature professor and she is specifically a creative writing professor. And here it, it puts her kind of like interests more in the middle. Um, so there are not as many of the literary illusions. I think I'm the most like Jane Campion-y of the three of us here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing so. that um, reverberates throughout her work, sometimes very obviously, because like three of her like main films, I mean, say, say main, but we've got... Um, Portrait of a Lady, and we've got um, the John Keats movie Bright Star, and we've got An Angel at My Table, so are directly addressing literary figures. She is a filmmaker that, that loves her literature when it comes into film. And really interestingly, those literary touches aren't as much in the book as they are in the film, um, which which is fascinating to me. So there's this, mm. like, I mean, I'm a huge Virginia Woolf fan, and there's this, like, ongoing, like, Virginia Woolf thing, um, which also links to the style of the film, that it, that it is fragmented, and it, mm. there is a stream to it. Um, but that hooks me to pretty much the the best line of the movie which i thought would have had to be ripped from the book but no it is not it is a, a jane cambion original um which is really like this movie absolutely rules so she is teaching a class at the beginning and she's teaching a class on um to the lighthouse which is which is a wonderful book and um one of the students is like oh that book's boring only one lady dies in it <laughs> um which then she asks the question which is a great question how many women need to die to make it interesting at least three. and the answer is three <laughs> now how does that relate to this film because it relates to this film very very cleverly it's an interesting like question to ask because you know we've sort of touched upon this comes right about right at the end of um the erotic thriller but um, its genre touches are so varied. Like there's mm. horror, true crime, like this sort of wide. The true expanse. crime stuff is definitely worth talking about. Yeah, for sure. And like you know, what's sort of interesting and that the film is aware of, especially in that line, is how many of these genres are, you know, how so many of them have this foundation of femicidal imagery. Yeah, and that imagery used as um, used as a point of sensation to. A, to an extent mm, yeah. um, and the the only time you get that image in this film is it, it's so and the phrase disarticulated is used a few times which is just a, a a word you don't hear very often and there's quite a lot more so in the book um the the character in the book keeps commenting on how things are good words or good phrases in a way that gets kind of actually quite irritating um <laughs> but it does have this obsession of like description and language right and the only like gore you see is so far from being like a body um, that it kind of like shakes off the. It's not the beginning of Twin Peaks, for example, and, and we 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 all love Twin Peaks, but that is you know some of a stalwart in the the beautified woman is dead um, sure. genre. It is not that, but there are two women um, that the that the deaths are important this film, and there is almost three, and after saying that to the lighthouse is not a good book, only one lady dies in the three. Where does she almost die? At a lighthouse, God. In the lighthouse at the end. It's pretty great. <laughs> and what happens at the end of the book in that same lighthouse? Can you guess? Ooh. Um, does a man die? No, she definitely dies. She definitely. is just definitively. Killed. Okay. <laughs> so she so dies at the end. It's a that's that's a cool so that that the insertion of that line makes it so much more playful and interesting of mm. being like there is your three deaths your three deaths to make it interesting to make it a good book and bam <laughs> one comes in the lighthouse knocking on Virginia Woolf's door and then no and then she she has the the romantic scene at the end um, which is which is interesting and is is an addition um, what do we think about that as a change then because that is a that is a huge change because the book just ends she is mm, in the lighthouse a, a with this dude. He is overpowering her. She starts alluding to some poem. End of it. I turned the page and then it just said like acknowledgements. And I was like, damn, okay, well she died. Ooh. Do we like do we like the new ending? Do we do we want more femicide? I, I have a, a, a trivia element to throw in here, which is um oh. a uh, mm. the Jane Campion interview on I think it's the Letterboxd podcast specifically about this oh, film. Cool. Um she, she specifically talks about how um in her original draft of the script, uh, it ends with Franny being killed. Um, sort of yeah. more similar in line to what... Um, I haven't read the book, but sounds like it is gesturing mm, towards yeah. in that ending. Um, and that the change was ultimately a studio note. Um, oh, I really? Do, Interesting. I do think that the, the ending of um, involving her actually dying does it does come across with a degree of more thematic heft 
and particularly yeah. with how this character um to sort of get into the broader themes of like who she feels like which men she feels safe around mm, uh, yeah. typically centers um police officers and yeah. runs directly from the arms of I've just realized this cop is not safe to be around, go straight into this one. And yeah. he's mm-hmm. just in that exact same club. And that sort of, it becomes this sort of um, consequence of that trust of the system. Mm, um, yeah. Well, yeah, because like, she, she, it's generally like a, like a domino effect of like three dudes. Like she has the altercation with the student, which mm. then gets to then being left with Malloy and yep. then running from Malloy <laughs> to <laughs> the person that she thinks is going to save her. And then, I mean, the, the, the tattoo stuff is a bit silly and it, it is telegraphed in that way. And it is, it is one of the weaker points, but it is a mm. good way of wrapping it around. I really like um, the change of the ending. One, because I don't think we need another film that ends in that same way. I mean, it's just... Of just definitive. It, it, mm. Yeah, it, it just feels a bit... we In a film that is deconstructing and confronting it to then very, reinforce the end. Yeah. I just I, I, I don't think it would work. It would it would be like okay, but you just you're just artfully doing that, um, which is one of the worst things that films can do. Being like yes, well you're just doing it again, mm. um, and I think it it keeps what is different about the film from the book, which is there is such a greater like sense of danger and ambiguity even around that relationship of there is a clear desire, but it's it on the page it's and she goes back to her man. But the more you think about it, you're like, he's a terrible dude. They're mm. all terrible people. Yeah. And that's not going to go well. Um, of He has ruined his life in several ways, is horrible, is openly racist, is openly intolerant. And it is like a purely sexual thing. And it is kind of subverting one typical of its time Hollywood ending to embrace a more traditional Hollywood ending, but then subverting that as it goes, which I think is really awesome. I think there's also like the degree of like, him being the last person she can really go to in that moment which yeah. really i think is codified by like right in between her arriving back at the apartment and killing um the actual murderer there's this like montage where she's just walking along this highway effectively trying to get a lift but everyone yeah. turns her down and like mm-hmm. just keep, keeps on driving past um so like sort of leans into that notion of her being isolated in this point as well in the story and like him sort of being the last one she can go to yeah, well, that, that's really interesting to me because one of the points I noted down was right at the beginning and I was just like this film's doing such interesting stuff of mm. again this is like a side story to like work conventional story of when she first gets in the police car and she's taken to talk about this this murder that may be a cold case like they're like oh it's another one of these we've not solved many like this blah 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 and they don't really seem to be any hurry about it they're just driving down and you just see in the corner just this woman fleeing down the street just absolutely fleeing in the background mm. Mm. and you're like there is a actually a crime going on right there and they're just like nah and they just keep going and that sense of just like background ignored danger um, mm. is really interesting and just the whole film just feels deeply threatening the whole way through it's so there's, uncomfortable there's so much tension and it's building throughout and you're just waiting to see where this is going to go um, even in the fragmented sort of construct of it all there is a um, there is like a anarchic sort of tension and struggle mm. throughout I mean, we we were saying, and I and I, because Jack agreed of the the cinematic style is very one car um yeah. in terms of it is kind of like visually fragmented, a lot of like bloom, a lot of yes, just yeah. varying focus and varying focus. For this one is, is is so cool. It it keeps oscillating between things being so clearly in focus and out of focus, mm. which is it, it's maybe a crude way of of showing like the mental state of our character, but it's a very yeah. effective way of conveying that kind of sense of panic all the way through. But I don't know if either you've either you've seen um, Claire Denis' film Bastards. No, I'm afraid not. No. Um, so it's a film I really on, want to yeah. rewatch. It is good. It's not great, but it's good, and it has this this really kind of like seed my memory scene of just like uh, this woman at night. I think she's naked. I can't remember, but like covered in blood, like walking down a street. I think like holding a knife, um, and it's a really and it is Claire Denis like take on the sexy neo-noir and her just being like nah and this definitely feels like what if one car wine directed claire denise bastards and i'm like yeah i'm i'm 100 down for that and when you've got that that her walking at the end yeah you're right carol like it is very much that idea of that she's being ignored but it also like conjures up like images of carrie it also conjures up this idea yes, of like yeah. the bloody emerging final girl moment final um, girl from which like is really cool it's like yeah horror. Mm. 
the visuals though as well which you alluded to earlier um carol there's this idea of it is beautiful in summary it's also i don't know the colors are hot but it also has this like autumnal palette the whole way through mm. which to me is is a a um a palette of decay and fetid i wrote that word fetid so much in my notes just like <laughs> fetid and grimy it's mm. like things are just dying it's like that's like the the bloom around them and i don't know if you've seen bright star which is a beautiful film not yet and linked to this one thing that she is so good at as a filmmaker um and is a thing that is just so effortlessly bloom we see it is just color matching in in every frame there's like oh that color that they're wearing is there in the background there yeah and it's these lovely cohesive beautiful like colorful scenes of like a clear color palette that does not look kind of like where's anderson and being like we're going for a look um just like this wonderful matching to environment only here the environment is complete hysteria and complete like madness yeah, and complete it's... like fear and horror Ugh. there's a strange sort of like uh naturalism to everything but it is mm. that sort of alien color palettes you know it's uh, these unnatural colors in this grimy and dark sort of environment and that plays into um franny's character really and her uh, her lens and how she is seeing the situation unfold i think performances um interesting actors in this um i think jennifer jason lee is the the closest to playing like the role that you're not surprised that jennifer jason lee is playing sure. i think she is she is playing too type and it is very very good um and it's, Ryan, it's, i was so surprised that she was not in the novel because it's like it's such such a good character to bring something to um to Frank's character and it, and, it, and it works very nicely as if this is can be read as i mean one of the reviews of the book talks about it as like a sexual odyssey it's like this idea of like sexual awakening mm. um which is more focused on that in the book to be honest it is more from her point of view sure. and very much her enjoying her sexual encounters with the cop um and it's very much about that and that is pushed a bit to the side by her sister who is more sexually open than she is um mm-hmm. Which kind of therefore like pushes what it's interested in. So Jeff just Lee, very very good, but it's like yeah, Meg Ryan playing against type, very interestingly. Very and much we've got against r- type. A lot of reviews being like, you're going to see America's sweetheart take off her clothes. It's like, wow, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. There is a review that pretty much exactly that, says that. That's your tagline, huh? Interesting. Mm. Yeah, this is very much not a when Harry met Sally. This is not Joe versus the volcano. No, when this Harry is not met Sally and Harry murdered s- Sally. Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> like it is. So this is really the first time I've seen Meg Ryan. I'd say. Um, outside of that realm, um, I can't think of many other films, or at least you know more popular movies where she is. She's playing... and demons. I don't know. I've not seen those. The Dan Brown Boys. I don't know. I, I'm... Possibly. Okay. I don't... Okay. Okay. She's a, 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 a top Top Gun. Um, Anastasia. Yeah, she is. She is a Top Gun. <laughs> um, but yeah, very much my impression of Meg Ryan is the uh, the rom com type. So seeing her in this movie, in this in this role, You're like, in where this are the film. jokes? Where are all the jokes? Yeah, Meg? where's Tom Hanks? Where? <laughs> when are we gonna get the laughs? Yeah. It's interesting that the term against type is coming up a lot here. Um, do you guys mm. know who was originally supposed Ooh. to be in this role? Oh, no, was there no. someone originally casted or what they she wanted? Wait, let's all have a guess. Let's have a guess. Go My on. guess. Uh, everyone Jeff gets Goldberg. one guess. I'll give you one clue. She is a producer on it. Oh, oh Nicole, Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. More like but Nicole yeah, Kill she, um, she optioned uh, the book rights. Um, with the express intention of being the lead star, which right. makes more you sense. Know, wanna gets railed by Ruffalo. <laughs> Wants to get railed by Ruffalo. You heard what I said. <laughs> that's the pitch. That's I, the, I mean, don't we all? But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Hulk smash. You can see more of a, a Hulk a smash or Hulk pass. Get out of here! Oh my words. <laughs> but like a post eyes wide shut. Um, Cole Kidman. Yeah, you can mm. see in, in the cut. In in the cut. Yeah, yeah. making um, the cut. This is a better movie than I was watching. Yeah, I said it. Um, okay. Yeah, well, that's 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 a take. Some, it is quite a take. I've not compared the two yet, but we'll uh, we'll have a think. Here's it. a comparison. This, this one's better. Okay. Tom Cruise versus Mark Ruffalo. There we go. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that's uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part uh, Part Two. Right there is going to be two. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Yes. As the whole, of course, currently not filming. Um, support the strikes, etc. Oh, et support the strikes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Tom, if you're listening. Um, yeah, Tom. Yeah, Tom. <laughs> Where are you, Tom? Yeah, and you Ben Affleck, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you two? Um, so 
Mark Ruffalo. I do want to talk about Mark Ruffalo in this film, though. I think Mark Ruffalo is. It's mm. it's interesting because it's it it is some of an early career Mark Ruffalo because mm. he has is now in quite a lot of things and is very yeah, much but... in a type of thing. Mm. Um, he ain't he ain't like this anywhere else. Jesus Christ! I didn't know he had this in him. Didn't know he could do this. He can play a, a, a seedy mean man. I mean, um, there's a bit. The, the of... seedy mean. This is different though. I don't think this is just like pure. This is just well, murky. Just... An interesting type of seedy <clears throat> mean man because he's not just outright CD mean man like he no. is very much desired like mm-hmm. by the character yeah, he is and an by object the camera of... as well there's a lot oh, for of sure. tension going yes. on with how he is presented mm-hmm. I, it is what the film is grappling is that idea that there is a off-putting element to his character that is sexy is this idea of being like this this whole sex and death idea there is something glamorous and dangerous and it is it is obviously not propaganda at all but it is very aware of the fetishization of police work, sure. and that police work is is glamorized and seen as like someone has to go out there and do it. Uh, you know, especially in this in this field that she's sort, or this this genre that she's sort of uh, recontextualizing. It is very much you, you always see um, these stories from the mm. perspective of the law enforcement investigating. So to see it at this sort of sideways glance uh, and have a, a female perspective just sort of thrown into this world, you get such a, a different perspective on these uh, like law enforcers and these figures. And when she first accuses him or brings up that he might be the killer in that blue thing in our scene, it's, un- it's so sinister. Mm. And even if you're not on board, and this is what I said at the beginning, even if you don't think he is the killer, it's that sense of he could be. This is a man that could and would do that and yep. would just lie about it. Bits of this movie. So for me, there are some remnants of the book that I don't think work particularly well. I mean, her overall, um, it's touched at the beginning, but of her writing this book of slang terms. Yes. Um, which the film just does not engage with again from the no, beginning. No, it's, it's very really. much set up as, I don't know, just sort of backstory of sort of this character and then it's not really built upon. Is it is it sort of in the book as a, a through line mm. at all? More oh god, so, yeah, it keeps definitely. coming up. Like every, every now and then, American Psycho style, you just get a segment that's just, here's a list of some slang. It's like, okay, oh, noun, things this. And it's... I think it's it's good to be excised because it does turn you against the character. One because it it just seems stupid. So I watched the um, the first directed film by Greta Gerwig recently, which is Nights and Weekends, which mm. is a co co directed thing. And in that, there is a, one of the characters is a video game director, and it's totally this idea of being like, we don't know what that really means. We just presume <laughs> we know what that means. And it's it, it comes across that way, and they're like, this person is writing a book on slang. Like, well, I don't believe they are. Every then, then they just just, just yeah, list unlinked random slang. Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel like lexicography. It doesn't feel like they're actually researching it. There is no they're not of it's any vague. group that they're talking about. It's not about what a slang means. Just like here are some words from and it, it feels deeply appropriative and weird. Oh, 100%. Um, it's uh, it's you know, this, so strange. This vague otherness in vague academic terms. Um, and it's not really set out in concrete form as to what this is or why this is. It just is. Yeah. I, I think you're right. It is appropriative, but I think it sets up an angle of... In the film, even though it's obviously not done yeah. much with, it sets up an angle of that character that is deeply appropriative. And yes. how mm. she is almost sort of um, dismissive of the Cornelius character. He was presented very interestingly yeah, in is, is a relation really interesting character. I like Cornelius. Mm. Um, and like, I think like there's something of an echoing going on, right, between like how, you know, you've talked about there's those three male characters who were presented yeah. as this could be um, yep. the killer. There's the two detectives and the Kevin Bacon role. But mm-hmm. as far as the characters in this film are convinced, he's the one that did it. Yeah, literally yes. every time a white character it... is introduced to him, they say something about how he comes across as violent. Yeah, just, yeah. In the, just the portrayal. There are broiling character. racial tensions in this film. There is a mm. lot of like off offhanded um, racism from from key characters. Interestingly, in the book, which I do really appreciate, so in the book there is quite a lot of racist language from police officers, and at least in the version that I read, right. is um, censored every time. Um, and wider wider like language is not, um, which is is the writer seemingly very very aware of like what that's doing there. Mm. And I 
I don't know. I'm not the best to, to talk about the racial dynamic of the film. I think it, it's slightly undercooked and is slightly like a, it is also there. But it's, Yeah, it's at I the fringes, think, isn't it? Yeah, it's not really... There is an argument to be made, though, that it is part of a what if your identity means that you are constantly going to be the target of something, which is what sure, so much the film is about. And I think it does work in, in that instance, in that instance. And I, I do like that character. And when you said mirroring earlier, Carol, I, that, that really struck me because the idea of like what Ruffalo is, is doing to her somewhat trickles down to the way that, that, that she, she reacts to treating. him sure. of the kind of dynamic of I'm going to be this like authority figure that's a little bit like sardonic and like dangerous of like the to like tempt you in for something it, it's that kind of like repeated even like learned behaviors, repeated behaviors and you know what we hadn't mentioned kevin bacon yet that was a jump scare that was a jump scare for me i had no <laughs> idea that the baconator would be in this and he just popped it's up good gag though isn't it it's good gag <laughs> and they say he looks like a movie star and then kevin bacon turns <laughs> like oh yeah um, literally is a movie star he is fun in this film i have to say he is fun fun sure <laughs> He, he's really fun he's i don't know what that the the real kevin bacon jump scare of i'm back in my apartment and kevin bacon is in yes, there and naked yeah, is, yeah. Um, that's that's, that's the a biggest jump scare <laughs> oh yeah well fun is an interesting word because he is like so different oh, from the type of threat that um i do apologize i've completely blanked on uh malloy's partner's name so i for a lot of this i'm just gonna oh rodriguez um at least in the book he's rodriguez and it's rodriguez, closer to my mind um, uh, malloy and in the book uh rodriguez um yes who's consistently in like the posed the this like immediate imposing threat um mm. but in contrast he's just so pathetic um, and so weedy, but still, but at gains the, the power though. That's still why it's so good. Yes, yeah. At the same time, um, could still at any moment snap. Is just yes. that whole yeah. There's an There's amazing a... shot, um, which is arguably slight animal cruelty, but I don't really think it is. Of like mm. they're just talking, and it just cuts to his dog being dragged behind, caught mm. up in the lead, and it doesn't go back to that. It's just like, and that's just like that's all you need to know that's, about this. Yeah, man. this that's is literally this all you need yeah. to know. Yep, it's there. His cute little ratty dog with some visually presented, just as being just... dragged along <laughs> as he's just like appearing in apartments. Oh, absolutely! Is it is it in the film where he talks about like his weird nighttime schedules? He's getting up early to watch the news. No, he talks about like how he can't. Like he tries to pawn the dog off on Franny, and she says no, <laughs> yeah, and he says something like, well, "Well, I can't put notices up. I'm like um, at work eighteen hours out of twenty four. Um, which is interesting in that, like, uh, as far as we're told about that character, this is, like, not something that he's committed to at all. Like, there's, like, mm. a sort of throwaway line, but it's very telling that he had an acting job on a soap opera yes. set in a hospital. And <laughs> based on that, decided he wanted to become a doctor, even though, like, you can just look <laughs> at him and tell he's absolutely not quick for this kind of work not not at all it's the the arrogance of the star mm. to be to be like oh it seems easy enough i've done it but i've done it on camera so it must be it must be relatively straightforward how hard could it be to be a doctor surgeon man this i do love the filmic language here though and i didn't know this down mm. it lets me sound pretentious for a little bit yes, um, please. which i always always support and it is <laughs> it's that kevin bacon scene at the end this is after he's just like naked appeared and, and it's just like jump scare oh god he's here and he's naked and it's just a, a lovely film bit of like so a, a, a j cut so this idea of he starts talking for it cuts to him and it's just really nasty and horrible of just his voice comes out and then bam cut two and mm. it's, it's as carol saying earlier being like he's pathetic and he's sniveling and then it's just like bam i have the balance of power yes um, it's just the male capacity for violence and it's it's shown in the beginning from the awesome opening credit sequence which is it just has that clenched fist and it's literally just a man grasping in a glove but it just changes the tone entirely of what you're watching and there is no violence there later it's used because again it is a little bit silly but just when the title comes up and it cuts through the title and it starts to bleed out you're like ah one of those interesting mm, the, films. Those the interesting earliest films. note I have from this most recent rewatch um, just says Argento glove. Yeah, um, which mm, I did. Yeah, vibes. I initially sort of made that as a joke, but I think that that sort of Jallo-esque uh, style does come back a bit later in the mm. basement scene in the bar, which feels like it could be something like with like those dark shadows, the tight close-ups. Sure. Uh, that yeah. searing red neon light um, yeah, behind it's very much the shadows. Color play. 
yeah creating shadow and texture and just ambience in this sort of murky world Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, it is somewhat similar to like the deep red opening in that way of like there is this kind of like flashbacky thing. There is there is yeah, definitely yeah. like a, a, a bit of that, and it is playing in that genre space, and it, it does feel deeply aware of those things. Um, mm. I I like the dialogue all the way through this film. I think it's it's really candid and really interesting. Um, and one, it harnesses male dare I say banter very very well. This idea mm. of like machismo spaces, but it does a really good job. And this is why that sister character is so brilliant. It does a real good job of just like sexualized female conversation and just like them just saying silly things back and forth there's a great line that i wrote down which is when her sister says even angela sands had a fiance and she's the murdered woman that starts it all off and it's just like her being like oh even she's got a fiance and the whole thing is she didn't actually have a fiance it was he puts wedding rings on people and murders them (laughs) but it's this sense of being like this want for belonging or contact in this kind of like throwaway gallows humor way is just it's it's very good at getting down on the cut in that way, you know, getting down dirty, just having people it's say just, stuff. I oh. think it plays into the sort of role of language throughout the film, really. Mm. And you know, it's based in her, um, you know, English college literature course and teachings, but uh, the sort of power dynamics of language and how um, characters address each other, and as you said, the male uh, the male uh, dynamics at play there also counteracted by letting women have a similar space in that world too converse in in a sort of other say 90s neo-noir uh, erotic thriller that would not really be the space for that i suppose mm. and to go to other weird interaction moments another moment that stood out to me this time is that taxi that comes out of now i mean first of all she is assaulted in the street at one point and it never becomes plot critical it's just it just it's just a thing that happens in the film and in, in another film, it would wrap around being like, and that was the person trying to get you, but it was like, no, that's just a, a one point, a, she just gets attacked a, in the street. Because that's a thing that happens. Of violence, um, uh, of being a woman in, in the world. Um, but then she gets hit by a taxi, and the taxi driver just says, I didn't hit you, it's not my fault. Just straight away. It's just like, just 100% just straight into placing, the gas line. Like, didn't do it. Placing the blame Wasn't somewhere me. else. Yeah, completely deflecting any sense <laughs> of fault or blame. Get in my taxi. Um, um, now... Dare I mention um, DJ Khaled's least favourite scene of the film? Um, oh, okay. <laughs> oral sex. Let's go. <laughs> um, DJ Khaled, we know you're listening. Apologies. Yeah. Sorry, 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 DJ Khaled. Skip over that five minutes. Uh, um, content warning specifically for DJ Khaled. <laughs> yeah, take that, DJ Khaled. Kevin um, Bacon and DJ Khaled jump scares. Or, here's another bit where it's a... This is Stephen's better than the book moment. Better than the book. Better than the book moment. Better than the book. Um, okay. What if... Rather than someone just saying, "Oh yeah, there was," I had this encounter with at the time an old woman. What if there was like ten pages, maybe fifteen, going into the precise story of this man's relationship with this woman and how it goes through his life until very, very recently? Ooh, oh, oh, you, you you don't need that. Yeah, I, I I disagree. I would happily like watch that. <laughs> you really don't. That's you a different really type of don't. book. That's a different. That's a different novel. I think. And you know when it gets to the um, the uh, the what's my call him William uh, what's the, what's the what's the murderer's name uh, Gacy John Wayne Gacy John Wayne I was like William Gacy John Wayne Gacy when it goes through John the John Wayne Gacy manuscript that's just terrifying as hell mm. what if in the book you got a, a few slight pages of that so just hey just like, you know that's an easy that's an easy way to fill some yeah. pages out you know copy and paste yeah. easy job. You read it at your leisure, you have a good time. Um, the John Wayne Gacy stuff is good. I think this is the time for the true crime stuff. And this is, I think, where the the film is, is, is dare I say, I don't like the phrase ahead of its time because, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing to say. Sure. Um, but is ahead of the cultural obsession with, with true crime. Um, and I think it hits better now. Did either of you see her TV show, um, Top of the Lake? I don't think so. I don't think I've heard of that. No. I did not. Emma watched it. Emma really, really liked it. And I think, I do think Top of the Lake is a crime procedural um, I, okay. I'm going to try. I, I presume because it's a goddamn BBC production, it would be on iPlayer. Yeah. I could watch it, but it looks like it unless is, yeah. it is not. Oh, is it not? Oh, no, because I think it was co-produced with like HBO. I think it's one of those things where it's like it is part BBC, part someone else. Uh, BBC um, Australia, I think, as well. So I don't know if there's I mean, Su- and Sundance Channel in the states. Uh, because there's in the cut, and sorry, there's um, Top of the Lake, and then Top of the Lake China Girl, which is the second season on it, but I think is also standalone. Right. Okay. Um, 
and that's, but that's, that's the thing that she's most known for realistically oh, right. okay oh. in like the, the popular very, very popular. zeitgeist mm. um so yeah I'm, I'm interested i will i will try and get so it's a bit of that because it, it if it is what i think it, it is it's interesting yeah. that she goes from this which is reviled and rejected to making the the procedural crime thing which i'm sure is deconstructive and interesting um and but that maybe in really... the in the televisual format maybe received yeah. a bit better and um, maybe just less uh, sort of jarring in its in its presentation potentially oh yeah because i think Com- i think I, some of the you know some of the reviews i read um from 2003 um sort of nailed down on the the structure and the uh the sort of out of out of order the sort of non-linear approach mm. to things as being a problem with the film which is, is yeah. interesting and um, to say that it's not as straightforward as it should be or something so so i, I think it's because it is very straightforward isn't it the, the actual narrative mm. could not be oh, more straightforward it's of... just how it presents itself in a roundabout it, fashion it can be distracting from the the yeah. central the central mystery at hand basically and which is obviously by design, but I did, it didn't work for me the first time. Certainly, sure. there's that sense of what if we do storytelling over story? What if in, in the telling of it we obfuscate the story? Because the story is very simple. Let someone is killed at the end. You find out who did it. Um, mm-hmm. Bam! There you go. There and you there's go. no detective work. You, it does not engage in the act of working it out. This is not a there will be clues. No. I mean, the question "Did you guess who did it?" is completely irrelevant. It's because irrelevant. The, again, it, it, the whole idea is bam! It was him. Because yeah, why not? Yeah, it's not a, like a, a heightened or dramatized mystery. It's not uh, preceded in the the format of many many mysteries and you know the erotic mm. thrillers of the nineties. In in this space, it is very much playing around that fact. And you will get to the ending at some point, but you know by the, it's more about the journey than the destination here. That's interesting though, just in the context of like, especially like if you like rewatch it, how obvious it is that it's him. Oh yeah, no, um, like, he's, like he's had his gun one. taken away because yeah. he tried to kill his wife. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was. I, 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 no, because no, you don't. Yeah, I, because my money's on Kevin Bacon. You to all men are violent because you're like, like well, that's the thing. Just... It could be anyone. That's the thing. Like I didn't catch it um, on the first watch, but like he's the only um, one of these male characters who has. Um, a noted history of being physically violent with other women. Yeah. And right. in, in a very interesting detail, um, when Franny and Pauline go to the coffee shop after she's had sex with Molloy for the first time, he is in the background of that scene. Oh, wow. Like, I, they I, get I, to the I, detail yeah, where she admits she that this has happened, and then uh, on the reverse shot where he's in the background, he's just out of there. So Ooh, him as this sort of like lingering, a, uh, stalking lingering force presence, is like yeah. right there Ooh, throughout really... the film. Um, like there's that. that great scene, I forget the exact dialogue, where he pretty much toys with the idea of, oh, you think you know who I am? You think you know me? You think you've got me worked out? Which which reads completely different the second way through, because you think he's being like, yeah, I'm not your, you know, you, you think you know what kind of cop I am, and I'm not. It's like, oh, you, yeah, I am like that. But actually, yep. yeah, I killed this lady. <laughs> um, you know. I'm very good at hiding it, but I'm not that good at hiding it. But that's because it's because Malloy is just like I think these murders are connected, but Rodriguez doesn't. I'm like, yeah, of course he doesn't because he's doing them. <laughs> mm. That's the obvious answer. Yeah, he's, he's, he's shutting theory. down that line of inquiry. He's like, no. surprisingly, this man doesn't want to be found out. Yeah, it turns out, it turns out no. He's like, no, it's a completely different murderer. It's like they look very, very similar, but no, completely different. Let's look elsewhere. Which sort of to circulate back to the um, true crime um, matter relating to it. I think it's interesting how. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it feels like the question around uh, true crime creating a sort of mm-hmm. paranoia of the world in women feels like a very contemporary conversation. Mm-hmm. And this sort of argument that, um, y- you know, which I think is a well-meaning and uh, to an extent true argument that um, so much of true crime is built around these random sort of encounters with uh, strange men who you do not know, um, when the actual reality of the situation and the statistics would show most violent crimes, murders, sexual assaults are committed by uh, people that you're aware of or people within institutions you are supposed to trust, like the police or the family, the church, anything like that. Um so it's interesting that in this film, like when you consider that sort of theoretical angle, um, I, I mean this in a good way, there's an extent to which it's kind of having its cake and eating it because there is this sort of paranoia around all of the male characters as they exist in different ways. But the sort of obvious one that it 
you know, kind of, it definitely is, um, is still uh, a figure of these institutions and is someone that you're supposed to feel safe with and is, like, very distant from how, you know, the villains of true crimes are normally presented. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. And it, and it is, for me, it's more that sense of, I do like that it's not just random attack in that way, but it definitely just shows that men are licensed by patriarchal systems to be enabled to be mm. randomly violent, even if that's kind of like verbally violent or just through their like violent presence. Presence that That's really well put through the whole film. And so much that is through what is going on with the camera and how it is edited and how it is just like jarring to watch. Um, yeah, no, totally. It, it's, 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 it's very good at that. And this idea of this presentation of police work at the end of you see things happening around that could be arguably policed and that all the police do, even if they weren't murderers, is they wait for horrible things to happen and then just drive around and don't really do much and just have affairs with people and just be generally scummy. And then it turns out, oh, they are murderers anyway. It's ex- just the... Ex- exploitation useless, of power, yeah. but it feeds back into their true intent in the first place. Yeah, they're just like laughing around. Um, it's a film that I feel is is gives a similar feel to this film, and I'm I'm much happier this film exists in the cut because, um, oh god, what's it called? The uh, the Polanski early Polanski movie, um, Tenant. Tenant. Repulsion. Repulsion. Um, when so much of what works in Repulsion is feminized fear of like right. the, the walls reaching out yes um, yeah but the thing that makes repulsion such a repulsive watch is because it's that sense of oh i wonder why this guy is so good at conveying like <laughs> female insecurity and the, the fear of it oh it's because he's an absolute creep mm. because he's a predator primary, um, primary sources yeah it's like yeah, <laughs> citing myself um but it, it, in the cut is is a better example of here is and it is it is again why it's so important for certain voices to make certain films. Sure, um, it's not because they can't present the material; it's because there is like a a, a knowledge and authenticity to the material. Sure, yeah, I mean, um, especially when uh, stories of this manner are presented in such a formulaic way for so long, in a male perspective yeah. from male directors, um, to see it sort of <clears throat> recontextualized or just contextualized in a, a new light that shows a, a female perspective i i would say i think so jack have you only seen power of the dog i've seen the you've, you've i've seen, seen i've seen uh, piano forte yes yeah because power of the dog um is powerful the dog ostensibly is a very different movie to this yep. but has the same structure of you think you're watching one movie. You think you know what's out. There was a different movie happening underneath this movie the whole time. Sure. And only at the end does it come up. And it's really interesting that she is so celebrated for that. Like, people love, I mean, I love Power of the Dog. People really love mm. it because they're like, at the end, they're like, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And th- th- this kind of does that, like, a, a lot earlier. Well, maybe it's, just, like, maybe it's just more of a, a contemporary acceptance of these these type of sort of, not rug pull yeah. stories, but mm. uh, inversions of stories within the story itself. Maybe if In the Cut came out tomorrow, there would be a, a completely different response to it. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. This mm. is, and to, to go back to what you were both saying earlier, I think people don't want this kind of thing in film. They want this in television. This is this is television material. They sure. want this to be serialized, yeah, serial yeah, characters, definitely. beat cop stuff. A 12-part um, miniseries where there's twists yeah. every end of episode and there's there's four or investigations or whatever, but to, to condense that down to a 120-minute out-of-order uh, procedural is is jarring to some viewers especially. Yeah, and they don't want a black and white bloody washing machine halfway through their film, but I, I for one, do. What about what about <laughs> ice skating montages? Oh yeah, that's yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if those bits. I, I don't know if they completely work. Uh, yeah, I, don't, those, I like them. Yeah, I like them. They, they are stunning to look at, and it uh, it cuts up the film in a in, a, in the cut way, but. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how additive that story's it is. a bit silly. The the mm. let's just talk about um, our parent stuff because I, I, I think a lot of the things that are clearly added for the film I think works better than what I think the book is okay uh, mm. fundamentally. Um, it's again the atmosphere of the film which is crafted out visually is why it is good. This is why it is great. And I, I've said this before, said so this again. Novels are really good for interiority, and sure, the key point of this character is 
you should not have full access to her. She should be at a remove from you mm. um, because you don't really know what she does. It's like she is this thing at the centre that has her own whims and agency. When you are placing her head, she is not as, as interesting. doesn't really take advantage of that because she needs to be a bit aloof and she needs to have that connection to a character that the reader's not supposed to have. Specifically tying that to the... Um... Um, the ice skating flashbacks. I very mm, slightly yeah. disagree because I think they do give, because of how like whimsically they're presented and how they have this yeah. very romantic quality to them, um, yeah. I think they do present like this interesting aspect of her psyche and her attitude towards mm. men. Um, specifically, yeah, I know, true. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's a great read actually. Specifically yeah. because of like how you know the the motif of um rodriguez in the film as a killer is he leaves wedding rings on his victims and the motif of the father when they talk about him is he had these multiple uh trysts with these women would get engaged to them have children and then uh leave them and i think Mm. there's a line about midway through where she refers to her father as having killed her mother through leaving her yes that notion of like masculine violence through you know, carelessness and that emotional kind of exploitation correlated with the mm. physical murders themselves. Yeah, you're right. I, I think stylistically, I think it just it just it's the only bit that looks a bit dated and silly. I think I think it's it's more so the visual filter, but over the um yeah. the ice skating films scenes just look guy, guy Madden archive footage or something. Yeah, no, yeah. and I'm like you know, give me a full Guy Madden film, damn it, give me <laughs> all the beavers, hundreds of them. Um, but I, I do like that bit when it's just he killed her, and there's just a pause, <laughs> and it's that thing you're like, yeah, no, I believe that, and it's like oh, we've 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 leaving, and you're like oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. gotcha. But I mean, you are so right though. It's it's that it's it goes back to that fear and desire point. Um, not not the not the Kubrick movie, um, <laughs> the dreadful Kubrick movie. Um, that idea of there is something attractive about danger, but sure. also these women that are seeking convention in a way that's being forced upon them. Which mm. goes back to the even she had a fiance line that they are they are looking for these archetypal male roles. Mm-hmm. And there are two very conventional romantic scenes in the film. There's the, the, the kiss out in the rain in the woods. Mm-hmm. And there is the, the ending to the film of it's the, the arcing back to a like twisted. And the opening of the film has a very traditional romantic, very known song. There's like a weird drone underneath it. That mm-hmm. is just a little bit of a sinister of song. Just a little sinister touch. Unsettling. Yeah. Just a, and that's, this... that's the film of like, here is this kind of like cultural norm that we keep orbiting back to. And isn't mm. that really strange? and is it passed mm. down and are we conditioned and we are still drawn to and she does definitely desire this horrible nasty man um, it's good yeah. stuff it's i think good. it's I... also noteworthy that both those like typically romantic scenes you talked about the one by the lake and the very end of the film yeah. have this overcast of violence mm. um, yeah you know obviously there's everything that's preceded and the blood on franny at the end but where they're like he's like i think like doing target practice using rubbish bins yeah. in the lake and like showing her how to use a gun mm-hmm. it's this mixture of uh, the the intimacy desire fear and danger just sort of in this melding pot or seemingly at all points the same with the, the the general edit of things as well how it sort of dance around and things and yeah. you'll go from a scene of intimacy and then you will be thrust into a world of violence well Folks, I think I think that is in the cut now. Usually, I think that is in the, in the cut. Yes, go on. this is this is where we would end the Kino thanks by saying if we if we think it is one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> yeah, our so, our, our Carol, definition. Carol, our de- do you do you think in the cut is one of the one of the one of the worst movies ever made? Do you, do you think it is? Do you think it's one of the worst movies? No, no, I, I, no I'm going to go on record. Do go on record and say no. Uh, our definition yeah, of, of Kino thanks is 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 changing. I feel from from the first episode where we did Battlefield Earth to now we're doing 2003's In the Cut by award-winning Jane Campion. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, for every norm of the North we have in. The yeah, cut. we're just we're just bending our own definitions here just so we can yeah. talk about films you want to talk about. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting and to see as a you know a a, a critical. Um, failure on release and how it's found mm. its audience and how it's been, you know, sort of reconsidered. So, do are we are we recommending other films then, Stephen? Is that well, what we're getting you, at? You haven't asked me. Could ask me the question. Could ask okay. me the question. Okay. Do you think in the cut from two thousand three? Yeah. The Kevin Bacon movie is one oh, of the worst. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> is one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the, the only for my team. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the best and worst movie I've it's seen in my entire life. The best it's worst a, movie. It's the Troll yeah. Two of its time. It's the Troll Two um, of its time. God damn it. Well, Troll Two is the Troll Two of its time. But still, yeah, Troll One. Jack, have but... you seen Troll One? Uh, have I seen Troll? I don't. I don't th- there is a there Troll is One. Troll Two is not a sequel to Troll One, but troll, there is a Troll One. Troll Two, the the movie famously about troll goblins. Troll Two is great. <laughs> troll Two troll has two nothing to do with trolls. Ve- vegetarian. Um, we'll save Troll Two for another day. Well, maybe we'll watch like Troll, troll One. We'll watch Troll One. Yeah. Like, is this the worst movie ever? Troll Two. We're gonna do Troll One and Troll Three. I was going to say, is there a Troll 3 yet? Are we, are if not, we we're making culture? Troll 3. Carol, you're an experienced filmmaker. You're, you're making you're, you're making, <laughs> making Troll, troll 3. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I, I can... I, you, I, bags you, you bags in the role. Come on. Bags, bags in the role of troll, troll 4. You've got a degree of film in the title. God damn it. Help us make Troll 3. <laughs> troll 3. <laughs> How could one, like, turn the Troll franchise and just make it sort of about the internet? Ooh, internet Troll. I'd want to make Jane Schoenbrunn's Ooh. Troll 3. Right, have you seen yeah, this trailer for Barbie j- versus Troll just dropped and it looks amazing. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not going to recommend a movie instead because I recommend no. in the cut, um, yeah. which you've probably yeah. already watched because I don't know why you would listen to this otherwise. But this apparently, this spoiler-heavy episode. Would. You know what? Got a lot of time for that. Um, so yeah, I recommend Jane Campion's In the Cut. Um, you want to watch another film like this in Jane Campion's filmography? Good luck with that. You can't. <laughs> yeah, very unfortunately. I, I would say another yeah. film like this in general to an extent. I mean, mm. um, um, Claire Denis movies. I think. Uh, what's yeah, it, what was uh, that? Beast. The Jess. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. that's an okay movie. Yeah, that was okay. Um, yeah, some of that yeah, was. There's some, there's some stuff in that. That's, that's, I watched that with my mum on Jack's recommendation. Um, Did I recommend that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, oh, went, down, okay. went down well. Went down well. We okay, both I, I, I know what movies your mum likes. Apparently, yes. so, Stephen, yeah. you know the drill now. If all of us, including Jack, are recommending in the cut, you have to watch in the cut with your mum. Yeah, and have that I don't want to watch it. Please, you can record a commentary track with your mum, oh, and we'll no, see how like that goes. Time we watched Atonement at Christmas, and the word "cunt" came from the screen. My oh. mum just laughed uproariously, and it was really awkward. And it was so, I don't know. This this sounds hilarious <laughs> to me. Than, like a, a third party. It was just her laughing at the awkwardness of it. Like, oh god, no. Yeah, I don't. Hot as Mark excellent. Ruffalo is, I can't not laugh whenever he says the word "pussy." It's just all <laughs> oh, okay. a little great. bit Hulk funny. smash, pussy smash. Also, when they do, when they when they do put the the name of the movie, it, it doesn't really work. It's he he was like lying in the car. I'm like, do, do say uh, if you if you mean it, Mark, say it properly. What? Where do you like it, Mark? 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 Don't be embarrassed. Oh, Are you doing I'm a Jane Campion impression him. right now? I don't know. <laughs> That's a, a tangy she's, she's, New Zealand she's accent. More New Zealand. Yeah, um, no, yeah, yeah. Come on. Where yeah, do you like him. it, Mark? Where? Where? That's Is that right. New Zealand? No, we that's to... me. That's just me. Oh, that's just you. That's just old. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't. do accents on the podcast. I, I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Hang okay, on. so we're all recommending. Who did in the, the Luca Guadagnino accent for that bones and all? I think you find that was Luca Guadagnino. I think you'll find Luca Guadagnino. Did the Luca Guadagnino was, accent? Uh, yeah, oh, special okay. guest star. He was on Fair. the podcast. He flew in just for that one. He can come on this one if you want. You know, he can. What, I, don't what, if he's, I don't know if he's seen in the cut. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll text him actually. Okay, so are we wrapping up on that one, Stephen? Yeah, we're wrapping up. Any, any, <laughs> any, any, text, any, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. Any final thoughts on Jane Campion's In the Cut, the worst movie ever made? Um, I think of the the genre of rejected at the time and now celebrated erotic thrillers. This is the one that I like. Sure, I mean, not many jump to mind immediately. This Showgirls. Really... Um, oh, okay, yeah, so sure. Verhoeven's Showgirls um, and um, Basic Instinct. Um, I've not seen not not seen Basic Instinct. It's uh, it's one of my the, the genres I'm sort of least versed in. Um, but uh, I'm intrigued by them. Verhoeven. I was gonna say your um, problem may just be with Verhoeven. Yeah, I, I not of Starship Troopers be... in that movie, huh? Yeah, what, mm. what, not of Robocop. Science fiction movies. <laughs> they're the best movies ever. Sure, sure. And maybe maybe he should only make that. Though I mean, L. I didn't L see is that. a problematized movie. Oh really? But it's also but it's also very good. But it's also bad. Okay, it sounds like something I'd good. love. What about it's Hollow bad. Man starring Kevin Bacon? I've not seen, but I do <laughs> like him. Seen. He's good in in, in He's the so cut. He's so hollow. He is in the cut. Yeah. What if he has a little doggy in that? Um, well, there you go. Before Jack and I plug ourselves in the corner, um, Carol. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, would you like to to plug? Anything about yourself or just in general? 
Um, yeah, probably just in general at the moment. Um, I have mm-hmm. a, a Twitter and Instagram, both under the handles, uh, carlfit720, which use my dead name because I'm too lazy to change them. Um, <laughs> same on Letterboxd, um, which I don't use that much anymore. There's, um, sure. Uh, there's a review of um, Spiral from a few years ago up there. That from the Book I... of Saw? Pardon? From the Book from of Saw, From the Book of yeah. Saw? Oh, oh, sorry, I thought you meant the um, French uh, TV program. No, sorry. I'm what? not versed Which... in French television at all. Well, my, my, my um, friend Miles from University movies. used to refer to that TV show as Spiral, as we pointed out, that's actually the English translated name of, of the show, and it's not called that Amazing. Because he's like, hey, we were, I'm watching Spiral. I was like, Miles, it's not called that. You just call it Spiral. What do spiral. French people call Spiral, actually? Go on, Stephen. I lost my Come dad. on, Stephen. Yeah, I was going to say, your parents are in France. Just go down to the local yeah. cafe and ask what people are watching. Go down to my local parents and ask them. Your um, local parents, yeah. Not your, you know, not your distant yeah. parents. My my review of uh, Spiral from Le Book of Sol. <laughs> from the Book of Sol. Uh, it's, uh, it's up there. Uh, that's probably the only thing i remember having written on it um because i and you like the movie right um, that thumbs up i've thumbs been down? back and watched it a thumb? few times it's a it's a it's a little funky um but it's as funky. far as it's a funky one it's good i'm are we excited for saw x you know yes because that poster is incredible. from a different book it seems the not poster from the book looks of cool. so they're, they're freely the adapted just it. back to no, it's from x, a different which book. does imply yeah. it does uh, back, baby. a crucial line in that review where I say that Ooh. the problem is it's oh. Spiral from the Book of Saw and it's not Saw 9 but the existence mm. of Saw X implies that it Means is Saw 9 hard. so I'm going to have to go back Unless and they're revise going, that review they're going, now they're George Lucasing it note. and they're actually oh, going to make uh, Saw 9 like 20 years down the line S- speaking of, of X's, did you see Fast X maybe the best movie of the year? <laughs> yeah. I did not know um, and apparently have you no one else did. Fast and the Furious four through nine. <laughs> <laughs> have you? Doesn't matter. Um, I've seen Fast and I, Furious I haven't. five, six, and seven. I've seen arguably one and two, even more <laughs> arguably, arguably three. Arguably three. <laughs> and I've definitely seen ten, and ten absolutely rules. I've, I've seen, seen the scene where Jason Momoa is doing his makeup with some corpses. Oh, the, 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 the Jack Bell moment. Yeah. He plays the devil. He genuinely <laughs> he plays does. the devil. So, so is it like a, um, a judge from Blood Meridian type thing, but it's um, yeah, no, Jason no, Momoa it's, in it's Fast It's surprisingly how close Fast X is to Blood Meridian. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really good movie. It's a really good movie. <laughs> You know, up there with Hip Hop Nick for the best of the year. But, you know. Nice. Uh, oh, I do like the Outwars quite a bit. Um, I'm sort that? of. Uh, so the the two O's. I'm between that and Oppenheimer is what I say is um, my favorite film of the year. But the Outwars. Really? I really, really like you're Oppenheimer on the, you're quite on, a bit. You're on the um, really? I'm working okay. on something more longer form about it and Barbie that I want to put up on Letterboxd Ooh, at some point and go also, into that'd be okay. more detail. Very on. intriguing seeing that. Did, so you saw you saw Barbie as well? Yes. Love what did you Bobby. think? Good. Good, good, um, good, you know, good, good. Su- Support the Strikes, uh, I believe it is. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Struck work. I've seen it twice now. Yeah, it's great. It's really it's fun. It's great. Really I, yeah, I, I feel like I saw a different cut of Oppenheimer that wasn't as good. Um, because <laughs> you seem to be the only one who's, who's down on it, out in, in these circles anyway. But Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, there's always the Steven. There's me. always the Steven. That movie is okay, guys. It's really, it's not very well written, people. Come on, like. Big bomb. You heard the dialogue in that film. It's bad. Um, he becomes destroyer of worlds, though. Oh my god! <laughs> you do become death destroyer of worlds. Oh, he does do it. Maybe, he does what he says on the tin. That's maybe the worst scene in any film I've seen this year. <laughs> that's crazy. You've seen Ant Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So Oppenheimer worse than Ant Man states. No, that one scene. No, no, no. You just said it. You just said it. Um, I don't know, the bit where I, I guess this is now an Oppenheimer This is now an Oppen- James Spoilers Collins, uh, Oppenheimer was waiting to I think watch. I have it behind the Warren Beatty and Dick Tracy special on my That best is list. ludicrous, but it's such a Stephen thing to do It's such a Stephen <laughs> thing to do well, like, what's That Warren special is great That line where like after that character dies and Oppenheimer goes into his sort of man pain in the woods and Emily Blunt like comes to him and says something to the effect of like you can't commit the sin and then expect sympathy when there are consequences, mm-hmm. which is oh, a line that good. goes pretty hard, I think. To... Mm-hmm. No, no, she she is good. I wish that she got more in that film. Um, she has two absolutely kick-ass scenes, and then apart from that, she's just kind of there. 
Mm-hmm. She's got to have a bottle of wine and got to be a mother. That's the Nolan touch, baby. <laughs> Emma was telling me that she had heard about an interview with Chris Nolan where he was like asked what what he fears the most. I think he just said like his wife dying. And was like, oh, you're filmography. That makes, makes a lot sense. of sense. It does make a lot of sense. <laughs> it's in every go. movie. Oh, every single yeah. movie. It's just like, what if a, what yeah. if a woman no, no, dies? The, the ultimate wife guy. <laughs> He's definitely married. Definitely has sex. Yeah. Um, so thank you for joining us, Carol, on this episode. Uh, it's been nice to meet you and talk with you. It's been a very, very informative chat. Uh, mm-hmm. Stephen, do we have anything to plug other than all the things that we do normally? Yeah, um, while you are supporting the strikes, mm-hmm. also support the stacks. It's Ayo. got some of the same letters in it, um, but you know, it's, it's obviously very, very different. Yep. Um, so yeah, um, please, please support us over the stacks. Um, so patreon.com slash the stacks on film. Yeah, um, so you get this in the main feed because we treat you. But if you're on that Patreon feed, you get some commentaries, you get me speaking to my phone about movies, mm-hmm. um, when I see them in the cinema, you get that. You can hear us talk okay, about... The recording quality is okay, mostly it's not. Um, <sighs> They're the only things... Us trying movies again for you. So, mm-hmm. you know, we watched Dread, we watched I Saw the Devil. Uh, we we watch watched Legends, Teeth. Um, the we Palm Beach Legend Story. Recently. A lot of, oh. you know, a different, a different, type, of, a different type of movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff on the Patreon, and stay tuned to this feed because we'll be going through some more Jane Campion movies very soon. What are you most excited about, Jack? From from I Jane don't Campion? know. I I really haven't really looked into filmography that much. I'm really interested to revisit the piano. I recently picked up a mm. DVD commentary, so I'm going to go through that to try and get some. I'm more really insights. excited to rewatch that film. I'm also. very excited to rewatch The Power of the Dog, knowing what I know mm. about the movie and yeah. how that how that plays on a rewatch. I think is going to be very interesting. Um, and I also so. hoping to dip into some of her TV work as well. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll see, I, I, we'll see I, I, would, I would like to how time, to how today, time treats yeah. us. I'll, 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 I'll find some, it. Her, some of her shorts are really interesting as well. And cool. She's got some, some cool shorts. Most awesome. of them are okay, but she's got some cool shorts. Well, thank and you very maybe. much for listening. And as always. Oh, yeah. Okay. Don't, don't let jo- Carol join in. <laughs> join in. I don't know this. <laughs> no, That's join just, in. That's just the say whole words. Thing. Just you have to, you you have have to, to predict along. what we're going to say. <laughs> to predict. Okay. Don't don't let, let the shivers beast get you. Get you. Oh, it's gonna and if take you want off. Want that to make sense? Listen to the patron exclusive episode. Talk about shivers. <laughs> shivers. The movie Stephen has at ten ten stars. I want to yeah. say five stars. Five, five star Cronenberg movie. movie. Not Bam. problematic at all. Exactly. Five, five star banger. Totally did not chuck it down to three stars on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Completely five out of five. Absolute banger. Shivers. Oh. Just oh. thank you again, Carol, for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode. Oh.